Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 141 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He is Justin Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, how you doing, bud? Doing well, man. I'm uh, just trying to stay cool. We got a, a 40 degree day incoming here in Saskatoon, so uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully some rain this next few days to cool this bugger down because it's way too hot out here. Yeah, we got some rain out here, man, and I love it. It's so cool. I don't have to turn my air conditioner on and destroy the planet. Uh, it feels great. Um, <laughs> we should say happy belated uh, Canada Day out there. Hopefully you had uh, a good Canada Day, uh, but maybe a little bit more reflective uh, than what we usually do just because of all the news. For sure. Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't need to get into the weeds in that. We're a baseball podcast. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. We don't really have much of a preamble here, so let me throw something at you. Sure. Yesterday, I ordered a pizza for the first time in a few weeks, and I got feta. Like, I got a cheese pizza with feta on it. Sorry for your loss. Um, Man, I didn't realize uh, how much feta belongs on pizza. It's uh. so good. I'm not a huge, not a huge feta guy. No. My girlfriend loves it, but I'm not a huge feta guy. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I love cheese. I just can't get behind feta. Feta on pizza. Just try it once, just for me. Maybe. And then, and <laughs> we then actually, we'll, talk, uh, we'll, we'll do a post game. We did some little pizzas on uh, on the grill last night. I have some pizza nice. stones for my grill, so we just heat those buggers up, and then we had a couple nice. like just used naan bread. Yeah. Threw our desired toppings on, and then. Uh, yeah, ten minutes and they're good to go. It's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. That's how you. That's how you get around if you've got the hankering for pizza, but you don't have. You don't have the the juice in you to kind of do all the work as or far as like yeah. the dough. Yeah. You just chuck chuck a non bread. Yeah, that's yeah. I do that too, bud, and uh, they're delicious. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, just a exactly. quick cheap way to get pizza. <laughs> and if you uh, like cheap things, then you'll love our Twitter feed at BFMD Podcast. I'm not sure about uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was probably the biggest was... stretch transition that I've ever done. <laughs> uh, follow us uh, on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. BFMDPodcast.com is a website. Uh, content TBD. Uh, let's just get right into the news, man, because there's a lot of juicy stuff going on, and uh, I'm already dreading the fact that we have to talk about the results, because it, it didn't go our way. Um, yeah, take it take it away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, first thing that we want to mention is that we did make a trade. So, fans were calling for the front office to do something about the bullpen, and they sure did that. So, uh, the Blue Jays actually had to DFA Travis Bergen, RIP to make room on the 40-man roster. He has not been claimed as of this moment. Uh, he still has to pass through waivers before he can either elect free agency or be outrighted to AAA, where he already was in the, in the, in the, uh, in the meantime. Uh, but the Jays have sent professional hitter Joe Panic and minor, minor league pitcher Andrew McInvale, never heard of him, to the, to the uh, Mar- Marlins, according to this post, the Marlins, for uh, reliever Adam Simber and outfielder Corey Dickerson. Now, Dickerson is on the IL. He's still wearing a walking boot, but he's a left-handed outfielder, Patrick, who tears up right-handed pitching. It'd be nice to get uh, that option into the lineup somewhere down the road this season. Uh, Adam Simber 
who is uh, a right-handed pitcher. He's having a very good season. He's actually got an ERA under three in 33 appearances. He's thrown 34 and a third innings, uh, allowed 30 hits, no home runs, which is huge for us. 11 walks to 21 Ks. He won't be a big strikeout guy for us, but he's going to keep the ball on the ground. Average fastball velo, according to Fangraphs, is only at 87, but he throws a slider and a sinker, lots of soft contact. Cool thing is he's under team control through the 2024 season, so he will not be a free agent until 2025, so this year plus three more seasons. Uh, and the best part, he's a side armor, Patrick Marsh. I love, yes. I love me some submarine boys. Yep, this is great. This is a, a massive upgrade. I mean, there's probably about four guys currently in the pen right now who uh, get passed by uh, Simber on the depth chart immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and he's having a good year, which means he's in control of his stuff. And then obviously, you know, once he's finally on the team, uh, you know, throwing the ball, he'll get a chance to work with Pete Walker, which will uh, only help him to improve because apparently we're like the land of the lost toys. <laughs> and uh, every time someone comes to our team, uh, they work with Pete Walker and they get fixed uh, unless sure. they throw in our bullpen. Yeah, uh, so he made one appearance game. for us too already, which is nice. Did he actually? Yeah, he pitched in the game yesterday. He threw an inning and a third. Oh. He faced five batters, gave up one hit, struck out one. He uh, Three of the four balls put in play were on the ground. So it was nice to uh, see. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch yesterday's game because before I even got a chance to turn it on, we were already losing. And uh, <laughs> we'll talk about the red uniforms at some point uh, in long form. Burn them uh, all. Yeah. God damn it, I can't stand them. But yeah, anyway. They, don't, they don't look good. Uh, anyway, uh, All-Star voting. Uh, we had three Blue Jays, Patrick, that who were going to start the All-Star game for the American League. Oh, Vladimir Guerrero yeah. Jr. Uh, is, got the most votes, uh, or the youngest player in history to lead the league in voting, which is pretty cool. He'll start at first base. Marcus Samin, which is hard to believe. This is his first All-Star game, Patrick Marsh. He led the, he led the American League in second base voting. And Teoscar Hernandez crept into the third spot in the American League outfield, and he will start for the American League. Uh, Mike Trout was also elected, but he's injured and will not be back, so there's a good chance that uh, uh, Cedric Mullins, who deserves to start from the Baltimore Orioles, will likely join the outfield. Um, yeah. Reserves are going to be announced on Sunday, so we still have a few days to figure that out. There's a pretty good chance that Bo Bichette is going to be there as he finished second among shortstops in the American League behind Xander. Yeah. And then uh, Randall Grichuk still has a chance to be selected, too. Uh, on the pitching side, I think the two people who have the best shot for the Jays are Robbie Ray and Jordan Romano, just based on Robbie Ray's kind of comeback performance, and then Romano has just been absolutely stellar the whole year that he's been active. Um, so I think those guys have a good shot. Anyone else in the Jays you think has a good shot to make it? No. Yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> I think we've highlighted them uh, quite effectively because of uh, – Honjin Ryu's struggles. He's kind of he kind of took himself out of the conversation the last three. Yeah, he had, three, a, he had a bad June. Three or four starts. Uh, but that being said, uh, not bad. Three starters and then both the was most starters since nineteen ninety three. We all know what happened that season. That's right. Uh, is there any chance Randall Grichuk will be there as a reserve, do you think? I think there's a pretty decent shot he gets in as a reserve. He's having an okay year. His June wasn't that great, but um, no. we'll see what, what else is up there for options. But 
uh, with so many Jays already announced, I think that Bo's got the best chance to go, and then they'll probably take some players from other teams. I'm not sure if they're still doing the whole every team gets a representative thing, which I like and don't like. There's usually one guy on each yeah. team who, who deserves to be there, so uh, we'll see, I Worth guess. Worth noting uh, that Randall Gritchick hit 231 within an OBP of 252 in June. Yeah, not uh, great. Which is... It's it, which isn't great, but at the same time, if you look at his uh, season-long stats, he's still pretty darn good. He he might get a he might get the nod, but if yeah. we're being honest, it's probably I won't be heartbroken if he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's it's he's he's he'll be one of those <clears throat> on the cusp. Um, but I I'd be cool with what would that be? Teoscar, <clears throat> Marcus Semien, Vladdy, Bo. That's four. <clears throat> Robbie Ray is probably going to make it. That's five. And then I, Romano. I mean, Romano certainly has been our best uh, relief arm, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to get him into the all-star conversation. I but think that it should be. He's got, it should, he's got very good numbers this year. It really, it's going to come down to the, uh, whoever the managers are, right? I just want the, I want the whole league to be aware of his like psychopath approach on the mound. Like just the squat, the weird stances. Yeah. I also, I want everyone to see it. <laughs> um, uh, in injury news, uh, Ryan Barecki is going to be throwing some live BP here soon, which will probably be followed by a rehab assignment. Uh, his teammate Rafael Dolis is supposed to be starting a rehab assignment with, with the uh, AAA Bisons today. So that is good news for the bullpen, which has been battered. Um, a thread on Ryu that I want to go into here, Patrick. Uh, Chris Black at Down to Black on uh, on Twitter. He puts out some great tweets. I've noticed a, a lot this season. He does a lot of deep dives. But uh, some highlights from this thread on Ryu. This, this past six-game stretch for Ryu that we just talked about is his worst stretch as a Blue Jay and one of the worst stretches of his career. Um, over the last six games, uh, he's had the highest ERA as a Blue Jay, his lowest strikeout rate, highest walk rate since 2017, and the most home runs allowed over a six-game span for his, tire, for his entire career. So looking at uh, his numbers, just looking at April and May as well as June and then the, obviously the one July start that he's made, he had 10 starts in April and May, Patrick. Uh, the team was 7-3 and three in those starts. He pitched to a 262 ERA and a whip of just over 1 at 105. In his last six starts covering June and, and July 1st, the team is 2-4 and four over that time in his starts. He's got a 535 ERA and a 133 whip. Now, that whip still isn't terrible. He's not giving up a ton of hits. He's just walking more batters. Uh, but the hits he's giving up are obviously leaving the ballpark. Um, the cutter and his changeup have gone from being... Uh, top 10 and top 50 in the MLB to being bottom 10 pitches. They've just fallen off. His fastball and his curve are actually doing better than they were in April and May, which is interesting. Um, He's not throwing the ball to the edge of the plate as much anymore. He's getting in the heart of the plate a ton. So his cutter, first two months of the season, 22% of the time it was over the heart of the plate. It's up to 35 right now. Uh, his changeup and his cutter have also fallen by 7 and 14% uh, pers- respectively in, in terms of hitting the edge of the zone. So he's just, everything is kind of ending up either over the plate or he's missing the plate entirely. He posted some heat maps too. Uh, the changeup, it's it's a really a down and away changeup to right-handed hitters, but now it's been off the plate 
uh, just not he's just not getting strikes with it, so nobody's swinging at it. And then his cutter is, is similarly just moved from the edge of like the, the the jam side of the of right-handed batters inside to being right over the damn middle of the plate, and that's why it's getting hit pretty hard. Now there were a lot of fans on Twitter um, speculating that maybe he was utilizing sticky stuff to increase spin rates. Well, I, I, there's some charts here too, and I was actually on Savant yesterday. Um, his velocity has actually remained very similar. In fact, his fastball velocity has actually ticked up his last six starts. Uh, and his spin rates have uh, remained this have remained similar, uh, if not actually a little bit of an increase. So I don't think it's really a spin rate thing for Ryu uh, or a sticky stuff. It's just look, it's just purely location right now. Um, whether or not he's bothered by a nagging injury, he obviously had that glute strain where he missed one start. But um, Chris makes a good point. He said this to me is why it's a simply pitch better or command thing. People are saying that maybe Denny Jansen being out is affecting him, but it doesn't seem like there's there's a couple of starts that Jansen even had during this last six game stretch where he hasn't been great. So, um, yeah, I, I mean that's a lot of a lot of talking on my part, but I think it's really just the fact that he's not locating right now. It's just something that he needs to work on on his side session with Pete Walker to see what what the what the issue is. If it's a landing point, a release point, it's got to be something that's easy to figure out. Hopefully. Maybe. You had a very interesting take this yesterday. You messaged <laughs> me that we should trade Hunjin Ryu. Do you still feel the same way? No. 24 I mean, hours I was, later? I was doing that just to get your You're goat, being an but... emotional boy again? Yeah. No, if we're be- – okay, listen. I <laughs> I like I like Hunjin Ryu. I think he is uh, a great pitcher, or at least he was. Um, I think he still has the capacity to be good, but – we kind of saw the same thing happen to Marco Estrada. Uh, he hit a certain point where his uh, changeup lost its deception, and he was just getting the crap hit out of him, and eventually he ended up, you know, I think he, he ended up in Oakland or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And now he is, I don't know, I guess retired unofficially. It It happens guys lose their effectiveness and then they are done i i'm not saying kwanjin ryu is like you know 10 starts away from retiring i'm saying maybe we are starting to see the decline of kwanjin ryu or maybe he is injured we don't know because we just don't have any information or we're being denied information whatever call it what it is or maybe he's hiding it who knows but he doesn't look good this year i don't know what other way to say it i mean he looked really good for april and may so i don't know if you if you can if you can say this year is a generalization but i mean you do you man (laughs) i'm just saying i'm just saying he doesn't look he he doesn't look nearly as effective as what he did at any point in the last like five seasons before this one including last year's shortened one so Mm -hmm. i just don't i don't know man i'm not saying we should trade him or we should blow up the team blah 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 blah. i'm saying he doesn't i i think we might be witnessing his decline and i'm not trying to be a negative nancy but he's clearly lost all this all these graphs and charts and heat maps shown that he has lost his capacity to deliver those you know, off-speed pitches that are that tag the zone. 
And if you can't do that and that's what you're supposed to be doing, that's what defines you as a pitcher. Once you lose that ability, you're kind of done. So I hope he fixes it, but I don't yeah, know. I, I, I don't, I don't agree with you at all on this one. <laughs> that's, okay. that's fine. I, I think that judging a career is worth of data over six starts is not a fair way to say, oh, he's lost it. I don't think that's that's fair at all. I mean, this guy pitched for like seven years in the KBO before coming to Major League Baseball. He's got a long track record of being a dominant pitcher. And I don't believe that six starts is fair to say, oh, yeah, he's he's lost everything. It's over for him. Like, he's done kind of thing. Like, he, the, guy's, the guy's 34. Like, he's not 50 years old. And he doesn't no, throw Estrada hard enough. Was- Estrada was 35. Remember that Estrada's issues were back issues, though. He was hurt, and, like, he couldn't physically walk in some situations, whereas it doesn't look like Ryu is pitching through a major injury to me. There might be something that's nagging at him, but um, I I just think that we need to give him... If he's bad through July, then maybe there's something. If it's two months of, of pure crap, then maybe there's something to the argument of him declining, but... I just think that it's it's been six games, and he had one decent start sprinkled in there. So I feel like it's really for him just been, uh, in, in most cases, a, a situation where it's been like one or two bad innings in a start. Obviously, the one yesterday was, wasn't wasn't great at all. But it seems like last start he was cruising until they brought him up back out for the seventh and he gave up the runs. But I think it's just a matter of him just finding that consistent release point by the looks of the location. So I think that next time he'll be a lot better. That's my prediction, I, anyway. I think I think you're you're probably right about about all of that. I hope I am. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, it, this is one of those situations where God, you don't want to be right. <laughs> yeah, uh, God, I hope I'm wrong. But it's worth noting that it may be because he is our ace, and the fact that the team is undeniably struggling right now i understand we won a bunch of games in a row and that's fantastic Mm -hmm. um but at the same time this team should have a better record than it does and it just doesn't and it's just they're just not getting over that hump a better better run differential than the red Sox, and yet they are 20 games over 500 and we are not so yeah, and they're they're well on pace to make the playoffs while we are very securely not right now. Out of the out of the picture. Yeah. It's funny that we talk about how this team has struggled. Their record in April was twelve and twelve. There were nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. They were fifteen and thirteen in May, which is again nothing to write home about, two games above five hundred. Uh their record in June, two games above five hundred. Yeah. So it's it'll be curious to see for me <clears throat> what happens here in July. Obviously, we'll talk about the Tampa series here coming up. It's a it's a difficult start to the month, but there be there's a lot of key division games this month. So the American League East is either going to become tighter or more lopsided this month because teams like Tampa and Boston have a good chance to pull away, whereas teams like the Jays and the Yankees are fighting to kind of get back into that picture. So we'll see what happens, but. It's it's also worth noting from June the fourth to June the eighteenth. So in a stretch of I believe fifteen thir- days, what, thirteen. Yeah. It was thirteen games though. Okay. We lost. We or no, it was sorry. It was four. Uh, bleh. <laughs> it was fourteen games. We lost ten of them. Yeah, that was that six game skid. Wasn't was it not? It had that, that. It did have that five game five skid, game. but then also uh, bad reuse start. Bad reuse start um yeah 
Jolie's blown uh, blown game, Thornton blown game, uh, and then a bad match. Well, not a bad match start, but you know, yeah, uh, not a good, not good enough to win. And then there was the stretch of five in a row where it was bullpen, bullpen, bull. Um, it was bullpen, bullpen, uh, stupid ass error, bullpen. <laughs> And then uh, Robbie Ray had a rough go. Right. So it was just, we went from, we were only, at, at the peak of that, we were f- four games above 500. And when it was all done, we were two games below 500. Right. And even though the team has bounced back, we, I mean, if fair is fair, we have won eight of our last 11 games. It's just, it's starting to get too late into the season for us to be, uh, bobbing up and down like this so i think the all-star the all the games before the all-star break are the this is this is the turning point if the jays are going to turn it around uh they've got three against the rays three against the orioles and then three more against the rays before the all-star break they have to win at least six of those games if not more in order to justify not being sellers at the deadline sure and a lot of that falls on Ryu to have quality starts. And I think all of this, uh, his performance is exacerbated. The, the attention on it is exacerbated on the fact that uh, the Jays as a whole just aren't able to overcome uh, one starter struggling. Right. Yeah, well, look at it this way, too. Um, after tomorrow's game, that's the halfway point of the season games-wise. The Jays have played 79 games. 81 is half of the season, so that'll be tomorrow. And the worst they're going to be is one game over 500. The last time that they made the playoffs, they were under 500 going into the All-Star break. So it's not impossible for them to come back and snag a wild card spot. But the fact that they're playing against Tampa and they could end up being like eight or ten games back in the division at, after tomorrow's game at, at worst, um, that tells a different story. So... It's going to be curious to see this. this. This weekend series is big, but we'll talk about it soon. But let's recap Seattle, and then we'll get into Tampa a little bit here. Um, the Jays did drop 2-3 to three to the Mariners, including one game that was lost in extra innings. Uh, Tuesday's game was, was a great performance. It was a 9-3 to three victory for the Jays. Robbie Ray threw six innings of uh, three-run ball, had 10 strikeouts, one walk, and one home run, a very typical Ray line. Uh, Tim Meza was good. He had an inning of relief. Uh, Jacob Barnes, it's Jacob, right? I'm not saying that. Yeah. He pitched an inning of relief, struck out the side. And uh, Taylor Sacedo, he had an inning of relief as well, too. The Jays' offense scattered 15 hits to get those nine runs, one fielding error. Uh, every every starter had a hit. And Jonathan Davis scored a run as a pinch runner for Lourdes Gurriel. So, um it was a pretty solid all-around performance for the team. Uh, four strikeouts or five strikeouts and four walks. So it was nice to see that. The top of the order: Marcus Semien drove in five, Bo drove in three. They really drove the offense in that game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that first one, Patrick Marsh? This final score: of this game could have been like twenty to three. It was just an absolute ass whipping, and it it just it got. At one point, uh, it was a tie game. Uh, but then the it was a tie game Jays in the first hit... inning. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, for, by the middle of the sixth inning, it was a tie game, is what I should have said. Yeah. 
Uh, and then the boys really came on, and that's when we saw all the mashing happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, Grichuk had lots of opportunities to drive in runs during that game. He left five guys on base. Springer left three. Biggio left two. And that was all in succession of one another. So, I mean, uh, same with Reese McGuire. He left three on base. So, like, the team, the team lob was low. Mm-hmm. But this could have been like a twenty to three ass whipping that would have been uh not much else to say, but uh you know, the boys got it done anyway, so kudos to them for getting the win. It looked like we were gonna beat the piss out of the Mariners this entire series after uh, such a dominant start by Robert Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, again, third time around we're seeing him get clobbered around a little bit and that's just I'm not, big league baseball <laughs> yeah i'm not worried about it it just it goes to show though that once pitcher or once uh once hitters see a a pitcher for the third time in the same game they really get dialed into what their stuff is and they can anticipate a lot easier so yeah the they game know what they've changing. been trying to do to him at that point so yeah, the game um, is changing. He still has 10Ks, uh, still an absolute fireball thrower. He might lead the league in Ks per nine. Let me look this up while you uh, tee up the next thing. For sure. Um, game two was a different story. The Jays ended up dropping this one 9-7 to seven in 10 innings. Uh, Steven Matz returned off the COVID aisle and did not look great, Patrick. Uh, he went two and two-thirds, allowed four hits on five. Uh, four runs on five hits. Didn't walk any batters. Struck out three and did give up a did give up a bomb. Trent Thornton came in in relief. He gave up two runs uh, over an inning and a third. Then Anthony K came in and pitched great. His Anthony K's second great appearance in a row. He had a good start the last time around when he uh, replaced Mats and he threw through four scoreless innings in a Wednesday's game. Uh, five strikeouts and a walk uh, over those four innings. Jordan Romano ended up pitching uh, in the in the ninth and kept the Mariners off the board. He did have a hit and a walk, made things interesting, but then got out of it. His season ERA was down to 121. Patrick Murphy ended up taking the loss in this one. Now, this is this is disappointing for me because I hoped that Murphy would be uh, better than he has been when he came up from the minor leagues. Uh, he, he did give up three runs. Two of them were earned. There was an error committed. The Jays committed three errors on the day, which did not help. Uh, and the Jays ended up giving up three in the top of the 10th. Uh, Taylor Sacedo came in and, and got uh, two outs to help Murphy get out of that one. Uh, Biggio drove in a run in the, in the bottom of the 10th of the double, but that was all the Jays could muster as they dropped that game 9-7. Uh, to seven. They were out hit 13-12. to 12. Again, lots of runners left on base. Marcus Semin, after having a monster game the day before, left six on himself. Uh, Vlad Guerrero was 0 for, uh, 0 for 4 with a walk. Uh, he left some guys on. Teoscar Hernandez was 0 for 5. It was a tough game for him. George Springer had two hits and a walk in that game. He was on base three times, starting to come around a bit. Grichuk, Biggio, and Gurriel also had two hits apiece. So from Springer, Grichuk, Biggio, and Gurriel, they had eight of their 12 hits, and those guys were all hitting next to each other. Uh, Gurriel had hit a tying home run in the eighth inning um, in that game. He played first base too, Patrick Marsh, which was interesting. They gave Vladi a DH and that Gurriel played first base, and he actually looked pretty good over there. Uh, Riley Adams picked up a hit, which was nice, and he also walked and scored once too. So it was nice to see Riley Adams kind of break out. He's been hitting the ball hard, just hadn't really been having too much success. Um, the big story here, obviously, is the 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 first uh, the first few innings. That third inning where they gave up four runs, the fifth inning where Thornton gave up two, and then obviously the tenth inning with Murphy's blow up. What were your thoughts on that one? It was a wasted opportunity. For sure, it was. Yeah. Totally wasted. 
Look, if you look at the uh, the back end of the lineup, Grichik five, uh, two for five with two ribbies. Biggio two for four with a ribby. Guriel two for four with three ribbies. They were the ones who drove the offense. Uh, they sure Samin, were. Samin, Bichette, Guerrero, and Hernandez uh, collectively had three hits, which uh, will not win you a lot of baseball games at the baseball field. Yeah. The team was um, five for twenty with runners in scoring position, which is a two fifty average, which is right around league average. But still, you had twenty chances and you had five hits at that blown. point. Yeah, the, totally blown opportunities. The and team then, left ten runners on base as a as a whole. That's bad. It's extremely bad. Yeah. Um, credit though to Anthony K, uh, getting those four solid innings of work in, only giving up one hit and a walk in five Ks. Mm-hmm. He has continued to uh, improve his performance. As the season has gone along, I wouldn't yeah. say that he is uh, due for some starting opportunity, uh, just because we kind of our our rotation is kind of set for now, unless there's an injury. I think he's leapfrogged uh, Trent Thornton. That was the long man. Uh, At this point, like Thornton has not been good. I know you're. I know you've been a fan of Thornton's. But... You're, yeah, yeah. I would say based on based exclusively on uh, current trends and not any sort of other performance for the rest of the year. Uh, yes. Yeah, Thornton's but... past seven games, Patrick. He's only been able to go eight and two thirds with an ERA yeah. over nine. So he's struggled tremendously. Whether or not it's location or he's just tossing hamburgers uh, in the upper part of the zone uh, that are getting hit like 450 feet. You just got to like, I don't know. This was something that even Clayton brought up like more than a year ago with Thornton is that he can't keep the ball down sometimes. uh, Yeah. And he tosses those high muffins. And then guess what? Uh, The ball uh, gets hit very hard and then you lose the baseball game. <clears throat> but uh, I think really the reason we lost this game, it wasn't just because Patrick Murphy struggled. Uh, I think it's the upper part of the lineup was just getting blown away by uh, the Seattle uh, pitching. Yep, I would agree with that. S- superior relief efforts from, from the Seattle pitchers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, series was tied at one. Game three was yesterday on Canada Day. It was an afternoon game. Uh, Yusei Kakuchi was dominant against the Blue Jays. He gave a lead-off lead home run to Marcus Samin and then shut the Jays down. And basically for the rest of his outing, he got so many ground balls. The shortstop in the third baseman for the Mariners, which Crawford was very busy at shortstop. Uh, Ryu, on the other hand, was not solid at all. He was only able to go four innings, give up seven hits. Uh, four of his five runs were earned. Two walks, two Ks, and two home runs allowed. Uh, Patrick Murphy did rebound in this game. Uh, he had given up, obviously, the, the blown game in the night before. He went an inning in two-thirds, didn't allow a run. Adam Simber made his first appearance and got four outs for the Jays. Uh, Barnes, again, had another cleaning with two strikeouts. And then we saw bad Tyler Chatwood yesterday. So he had been reasonably good, and then yesterday was not good. He did strike out two, but also gave up two hits, two walks, and two runs. Was not happy about being pulled. He wanted to be able to finish that inning. But sorry, buddy, you're not good enough to finish innings right now. Uh, Sustato came in and struck out one batter to get out of the jam, but the damage was done in the ninth inning. The Jays were down by five when they came up, and they just couldn't come back from that. Um, offensively, Samin rebounded again. So he had th- two to three really good games in this series. He had another three hits. 
Bichette had two hits. Guerrero was 0 for 3 with a walk. Hernandez had a couple hits. Springer had one hit, a hit and a walk. Springer's average is up to 233. And his OPS is over 800 now. So um, the on base has been there for Springer. And he's been hitting the ball a bit harder. But then uh, the 6, 7, 8, and 9 hitters combined for no hits and uh, six strikeouts in the game there yesterday, including a, a strikeout from Biggio, who pinch hit for uh, Espinal and had two plate appearances. So um, it was exact opposite of the day before. The top half of the lineup did it relatively okay, and the bottom half didn't do anything. So uh, Kikuchi was just way too good. Like there was, there was no beating him yesterday. Sometimes you just run into a pitcher who absolutely is dominating, and that's what he was yesterday. It was awesome. It was awesome to watch as a fan of baseball. Not so great as a fan of the Blue Jays. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ryu got beat up. He didn't look good at all. Uh, Tyler Chatwood didn't look good at all. Uh, interesting to know, there was a little bit of chatter on uh, the subreddit for the Jays, as well as on Twitter. Chatwood looked really mad at Charlie Montoya for taking him out of the game. And I had I tweeted something and then I deleted it just because I don't want to... I want to put my best foot forward on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But if we're being, if we're being honest... You don't have to be a professional baseball player to watch that performance and be confused as to why he was taken out of the game. Yeah. He gave up two hits, two runs, uh, two walks, two strikeouts, and uh, two outs. So two's all around the board. The only thing he didn't give up two of was home runs, and he probably wasn't that far off (laughs) of uh, giving up. When you're not throwing strikes, you're not giving up home runs. That's his uh, like thinking meme. He can't give up home runs if you don't throw strikes. Yeah, uh, he looked he looked he looked bad, and and for him to be bewildered as to why he was or mad about being taken out of the game, I, I can understand wanting to finish the inning, but at that point, Montoya probably took him out of the game to save him from embarrassment. Yeah, it's just continuing with him, and it's like we have trusted him way too many times in high leverage situations. This was a low leverage situation because we were already we were going down to by lose three. this. We yeah. were already going to lose this game, and it just got worse. And uh, to be honest with you, if, if Tyler Chatwood is, I would say, out of all of our uh, current bullpen right now, he he's got to be the guy who's most vulnerable as far as being replaced by either uh, incoming trade uh, or uh, promotion. He's got to be yeah. the guy most vulnerable, so I can understand why he'd be mad um, because he's leaving the game on a bad note, and he's probably uh, not too far away from a DFA at this point. Yeah, once guys like Dolis come back, uh, I think Thornton and Chatwood are the guys with the the least run light, run time left on this roster at this point, anyway. So, yeah, uh, a tweet from uh, from Wilner. Um, Oh, good. Here we go. Uh, Reading the lips of Tyler Chatwood, he appeared to yell, Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Let me finish as Charlie Montoya was coming up to the mound to take him out. Clearly, he has not been good lately and wasn't again today. Not, as they say, a good look. I don't know if I would have phrased it that way, uh, Mike Wilner. But, um, and I also, I don't know if I would have even tried to read the lips. I mean, like, let the guys talk when they're out there like i don't think we need to analyze everything that we see <laughs> like yeah. holy shit did we already much. had to deal with the 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 ross stripling stuff last week when it came to frustration and thankfully that is long in the rearview mirror for this team 
I guess in more than one way because panic is gone. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't like that tweet at all, but that's a, I mean, now that we have that information, we now understand maybe a little bit more context as far as uh, the reaction and the frustration. Uh, lots of <laughs> lots of frustration about Tyler Chatwood on the subreddit, but uh, it's not like they're all GMs making the decisions. Uh, how do you feel about Tyler Chatwood at this point? I am done with Tyler Chatwood. I just don't. Every time he comes into the game, I just foresee bad things happening. There aren't many players that I can recall um, in my time watching the Blue Jays where I've gone mid-season from being excited when they pitch, as I was with Chatwood in the first month of the year, to just almost wanting to turn the game off when he comes in. Like it's <laughs> yeah. the the yeah. drastic turnaround. I I just I can't really wrap my head around how fast that he's fallen off in like the last month and a half. Like it's just been absolute calamity <laughs> every time he comes into the game. Like there's just nothing good that happens. Yeah, I mean it sucks because like you can pretty much point to like and Tyler Chatwood is still trending in Canada. Um <laughs> It's crazy because if you look at it, it's like we're talking about like five or six games at this point that we have just straight up. This one doesn't count as one of them. No. But the the number of games that we have lost because Tyler Chatwood has lost his his shit uh, in a game. It's is, too high. It's like five or six, and that's five or six wins. Yeah. Add those to our total and we're in a wild card spot. Yeah. I take know. them out and we're where we are now and it's take half of those games and make them wins instead. It's a different story. It's he's been trusted way too many oh, times man. and and the thing is Montoya has said point blank in his uh in his pressers like these are the guys that are on the roster. These are the guys we are going to use. We have to trust them. We have to give them the opportunities because there's nobody there, else. <laughs> there's no alternative. You yep. know, Edwin Jackson's not going to walk through that door. Uh, <laughs> Tank commander Edwin Jackson. Yeah, Brian Talbot's not walking. Thank you for Austin Martin, Edwin Jackson. I do want to. I do want to put aside the baseball stuff for one second and just mention one more time. There was a a cool little moment uh, during the broadcast where uh, Buck uh, made a statement with regards to residential schools. You can mm-hmm. check out. There is a there is something there on there's a stream of a link on the subreddit if you want to check it out. His voice cracks. It's very emotional. Uh, it's worth checking out if you are up on the news. It's kind of cool to see baseball acknowledge that this is something that's in the news in Canada. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that Buck is uh, is First Nations uh, in the you know a First Nations American. Yeah. Um, I believe he said t- some of his family was uh, California yep. Uh, uh, yep. First Nations. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, so it was. I thought that was a cool little thing. It was. It's only a minute long statement because they returned to play almost immediately. Um, but worth noting that the Jays did have uh, a yeah, uh, sorry, an orange ribbon out on the uh, the outfield wall mm-hmm. during the game. Hopefully that sticks around for a little while and it wasn't just a one day thing. I'm sure it will. They they kept the like the Black Lives Matter one up for a while, and they had yep. they had the Pride Month uh, Rainbow J logo up there too. So, yep, yeah, that's it's, it's, that that shit usually sticks around for a while. It sure does. Uh, yeah, with with the Jays, they're they're typically all class for when sure. It comes to that stuff. All right, well let's uh, let's look ahead. 
We've got our our boy uh, Alec Manoa coming off his, his suspension to start against the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. He's going to face a bucket of baseballs, according to this uh, TBD. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it, Tampa! And that I bucket of baseballs is going to give up zero runs to us, probably because it's. Tampa I know Bay. they're dealing with injuries and all that oh, stuff. Oh man, it's so annoying when we're trying to prepare for these episodes, <laughs> and then all of these is bucket of balls, bucket of balls, bucket, bucket of, of balls, balls and they're like, thirteen don't... games over five hundred. So that's yeah, Tampa Bay. It's like God damn it. <laughs> yeah, and they have. Have like nobody like the, among the league leaders in any offensive category. They just do it by committee, which is a good baseball team. Um, but yeah, the Rays are forty-seven and thirty-four, playing the forty-one and thirty-eight Blue Jays. Huge series, obviously with divisional implications. Uh, Manoa gets the ball. He's one and zero with a three thirty-four ERA in his first five big league starts. He's had three really good ones, uh, or is it f- six starts now? I can't even remember. But uh, game number two tomorrow is going to be a tonight's game is at seven oh seven Eastern. Tomorrow is a three oh seven Eastern time game. It'll be Shane McClanahan for the Rays, a lefty, versus our boy friend of the show Ross Stripling. Uh, pretty cool pitching matchup here. Both guys have pretty similar season numbers. Uh, Stripling's obviously been one of the better, been the best Blue Jays starter over the past uh, about a month now since he made all the corrections. And then on Sunday, one oh seven Eastern time start. Got the bucket of baseballs back for Tampa Bay against Robbie Ray, who's looking to continue on his solid season. Uh, some pretty reasonable, reasonably f- uh, favorable pitching matchups for us at this point. Obviously, Tampa's probably going to go bullpen openers and throw the kitchen sink at us in a couple of these games. But it'd be really nice to see the Blue Jays get some get a good start from Manoa, who's basically on regular rest because he's on one extra day because of the five game suspension. Um, so it'll be good to see him back in the lineup. Uh, and it was interesting to see who Tampa Bay throws at us. I haven't looked at their roster too much. I know a couple of their guys are on the IL with uh, both starters and relievers, so it'll be interesting to see which guys they've called up but of AAA obscurity to throw up zeros. But uh, what do you feel about this series, Patrick Marsh? Must win. It's must win. Yeah. The, uh, let me just take a quick looky-loo. goes here. without saying, but a sweep would be huge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I think the Rays have have played two more games than we have. They have, yeah. They've are, they're already uh, at their halfway point. So, so a sweep would get us to forty four and thirty eight, while they would drop to forty seven and thirty seven, mm-hmm. which is a pretty significant swing. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying we're going to sweep them because obviously it's just going to come down to. We need two to three after losing one after losing two to three to Seattle, though. We need to win two yeah, to three. We, we absolutely have to win two of these games. It would be great. If we could get a win tonight, yeah, because start off it on the right foot. Stripling, Stripling has been very strong. Two point four five ERA uh, through uh, through all of his appearances since uh, his uh, his very rough outing, uh, and then the you know the presser where he said my career is uh, my career is melting in front of me. Yeah. Um, uh, since then, he's been he definitely has been our best. Uh, starter, at least most consistent. Uh, his record does not reflect that, although, you know, the record doesn't really matter as much anymore. But he's brought his ERA down over three and a half yeah. in that time period. His ERA was 2.45 in that stretch. So he's been great. And then with Robbie Ray on Sunday, I really like our chances. All, all of the pitching matchups, TBDs be damned, are favorable to us. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect intended to Shane McClanahan, um, but I really like our chances here to, uh, to take two or three, and it would be a big ego boost to this team 
especially after, you know, uh, sucking ass against the Mariners on Canada Day. That kind of sucked. And just the history of what we have with Tampa Bay, they seem to always have our number, so it'd be good to get a win there. By the way, uh, fact check from previously, Robbie Ray's Ks per nine, uh, 11.73, which is good for eighth in Major League Baseball. All the names ahead of him are guys who are all-stars. So DeGrom, Burns, Rodon, Bieber, Freddie, per- Freddie Peralta having a phenomenal year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Glass now, and then Max Scherzer are the only seven guys ahead of him in that category. Uh, What's DeGrom's case per nine right now? Jacob DeGrom's case per nine is 14.40, Jeez. which leads the league by over 1.3 strikeouts per nine he's not fair he's a cheat cheat code man he is he's unlocked some sort of i don't know what you would even say yeah jacob Degrom was good but he's gone to like another level this year (laughs) uh worth noting that when you compare robbie ray to the rest of those guys uh his walks per nine are actually below glassnell peralta bieber and rodon so Hmm. he's yeah, he uh, he would be above them, uh, and when it comes to the K's per BB uh, percentage, obviously nobody touches uh, Jacob Degrom. <laughs> uh, but Robbie Ray is also eighth in that category as well. Pretty good so, for a guy making eight million dollars this season. Uh, pretty goddamn good, <laughs> indeed. He certainly has earned himself an All Star appearance. Um, it'll just come down to who the manager is. I don't know. Have they announced that yet? I have no idea. No, I haven't been following that at all. But uh, all right, let's talk. Let's do a farm report. Yeah, we've been putting this off for a while, it's just due to time constraints and, and me melting in my recording room here. Um, <laughs> but we're gonna for anybody who doesn't want to hear about prospects, this is a good time for you to leave. But uh, for anybody who does want to hear about some guys who have been having good good seasons and a couple of guys who haven't been, uh, we're gonna talk about a few guys here. So I kind of have this broken down to two areas. I've got some guys that I want to highlight. I've got some stat pages linked at the bottom. Patrick, if you want to pull those up on your end, you're welcome to. Uh, and then I've also got it broken up into level. So obviously in the MLB right now, we've got Manoa, Adams, and Murphy, who are, are in our top 30 prospects. Manoa's at number five. They're all on our 40-man roster and playing in the big leagues. The Bisons currently have six top 30s and one top 10 on their roster. Nate Pearson is that as that top 10 as a number one prospect, but he's on the injured list. Josh Palacios is also on the injured list and the 40-man roster at number 27. And then Joey Murphy, TJ Zoik, Kevin Smith, and Nick Algeyer round out the, the Buffalo Bisons top 30. The Fisher Cats are, are just absolutely stacked. They have six members of the top 30 and four members of the top 10, including uh, four, all four of them being number six or up. Uh, we're we're going to talk about Austin Martin. Uh, we're, we'll talk about Gabe Moreno as well, who is on the injured list right now. He's got a, a thumb fracture. He'll miss some time. He's actually on the 40-man roster. He's that fourth catcher on the roster. Otto Lopez uh, is, is also on the 40-man, and we'll talk about him. And I also want to touch on Samad Taylor and Tanner Kerwer, who are not on the 40-man roster or on the top 30 prospects, but are making some moves this season. Uh, Kerwer is a Canadian from Alberta, so we'll highlight him and what he's been doing. He started the season in Vancouver, uh, who is playing in Hillsborough, Oregon, uh, we'll talk, where we'll talk about Adam Kloffenstein and C.J. Van Eyck, who are top 10 prospects, and then Will Robertson is the other top 30 on that team. In Dunedin, in low A, they've got eight top 30 prospects, including uh, Arelvis Martinez and Miguel Geraldo from the top 10. We're going to talk about Martinez and Leo Jimenez, who's having a great year. 
The Dunedin Jays also have Desan Brown from Ontario, Yosver Zuleta, who is injured, Nick Frazo and Trent Palmer. And then still at the complex or playing in the Gulf Coast or Dominican Summer Leagues are Estevan Machado, Eric Pardino, Raquel Castro, and Manuel Beltre, who was signed as an international free agent and looks to be a, a good, another good young middle infielder. That's a, it's a pretty even distribution. A lot of the uh, upper guys are obviously, we've got three in the big leagues. We've got uh, six, six of our guys in double A. It's nice to see that we've got a lot of high, high tier prospects a year or so away from the, from the big leagues. But I want to talk about a few here, Patrick. Uh, we'll start with AAA. We'll work our way down. I want to talk about Kevin Smith, and I actually want to talk about Jacob Wegespack, who is no longer really a, a prospect, but um, is having a good season. So looking first at Kevin Smith, this guy's had a huge bounce-back season. He had a rough 2019. Um, it's just pulling up his stats here. His 2019 season was in AA New Hampshire, where he had a 209, 263, 402, uh, 402 slash for a 666 OPS. The thing that I was looking at here that really jumped out to me was the fact that he was just striking out a ton. He had 151 Ks, only 29 walks, over 430 at-bats. So about a third of his at-bats ended in strikeout. And looking at the ground outs to air outs, he was, he was flying out at a ratio of like 5 to 1, which was interesting to me that he's getting the ball in the air a ton but not seeing a lot of success, so probably a lot of pop-ups. This season, however, they the Jays, after the alternate set year in 2020, wanted to challenge Smith, and they moved him up to AAA, where he's actually been performing very well. His, his slash line is back up to where it was uh, pre-2019. He's hitting 281, and his OPS is, over, is at 976 right now. He's been hitting the ball on the ground a little bit more, uh, striking out a little bit less. He's hit 12 home runs in 45 games already, uh, including uh, 28 walks to 46 strikeouts. And he's actually stolen 10 bases in 11 attempts. Uh, he's been mostly playing shortstop, but he has uh, about 9 or 10 games at third base as well, too. He's not on the 40-man roster, but this could be a guy, depending what goes down in the next month before the trade deadline, that ends up being a a part of the big league team and maybe ends up playing some third base depending what moves are made on the big club. But do you have any thoughts on Smith? I know this is a guy we talked about a lot a couple of years ago and then just fell off the radar. Yep. Uh, he struggled for more than one season and now he's having a resurgence, which is nice because he, you know, he never stopped working as yeah. far as trying to, he was a top things. 10 Jays prospect for a while in the pipeline. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that he won't return to that status given his mm-hmm. trajectory. Yeah. Um, although he might end up graduating before that point. Very possible. Uh, it it should be it's particularly interesting to me because we have so many middle infielders in the pipeline who have who have lapped him uh, in the prospect pool. If I was a team looking at the prospect pool. Uh, of the Toronto Blue Jays and considering making a trade with them, I would definitely be interested in Kevin Smith. 100%. Uh, although it's hard not to be interested in Martin Groshans, Otto Lopez, uh, and, and uh, there's a couple of others I can't think of right off the bat right now who who are above him. Uh, Smith is, I don't know, I, I think Smith will probably graduate this year. And if he's not dealt at the deadline and he is a part of the team uh, because the team made some sales, uh, 
uh, he might be the guy who is like the replacement. Uh, I don't know. Can he play second? He hasn't played second before. He plays short and third, and he's played so one game play, in left he field. Would, well, then he would play third while Biggio would play second if Marcus Semien ends up getting traded. Yeah, that's very uh, a very good point. Um, and it could be a, a, a thing where if Martin or Groshans are not ready to play on that left side of the infield next year at third base mostly Groshans, Martin's more of a shortstop and a center fielder. Uh, we could see Kevin Smith manning third base for the Blue Jays next season if they're probably not going to re-sign Samin. It's just going to cost too much, which would move Biggio back to second. So he definitely has uh, some potential to be to be good. Um, Jake Wegespack, I don't want to spend too much time on him, but I just want to highlight that he's had a great season in Buffalo. He was DFA'd and actually passed through waivers after spring training, so he's no longer on the 40-man roster. He has yeah. appeared in, in nine games, started eight of them, uh, 42 innings total. He's only given up one home run in that time, Patrick, uh, versus his 2019 season in the big leagues where he gave up tw- uh, 12 home runs in 78 innings. So he's lowered that that a lot. Um, he's getting ground balls again. He's actually getting more ground balls than flyouts, which was a problem for him. Uh, he, hadn't, he hadn't had that happen since 2018. Uh, opponents are still hitting 265 against him. But the big thing is he's only walked 12 batters compared to 48 strikeouts. So he's found a little bit of, uh, of control. And could be a guy with more injuries and maybe some BFAs uh, that does get another shot in the bigs. I didn't want to spend too much time. But any thoughts on Jacob? I don't think – I mean, it was it was rough. It was spring, rough. He had a rough spring. <laughs> it was very rough. Um, but he's looked he looked great in June for yeah. Buffalo. Great 2.55 ERA in those five starts. Exactly what you want to see from a guy who previously got DFA'd. His response to it, uh, obviously, I mean, obviously, it sucks whenever that kind of shit happens. Um, he had an okay May, wasn't really that great. Uh, he has seen his whip uh, go up a little bit in June, mm-hmm. uh, but that being said, he was out there, you know, getting the W for the team. Uh, getting you know at least five innings it's a, kind of a different game in the minor leagues you see a lot le- a lot fewer pitchers get a quality start right uh, usually you see guys get the yank after five anyway so if the goal post is moved for a quality start to five innings in triple uh, a uh, he's had four of those in a row worth noting yeah uh, moving down to double-A, we're going to start with Austin Martin, who's actually going to be representing the Blue Jays at the Futures game in Colorado, so it'll be nice to see him. I'm looking forward to watching yeah. that game. He's in his first professional season. Obviously, he was drafted uh, before COVID, but due to the season being wiped out. Uh, he is on the seven-day injured list right now, but is expected to be back. I'm not exactly sure what the injury is. I couldn't. I didn't have time to look for it, but... Uh, in 38 games for the Fisher Cats, he's got a 275 average. He's getting on base 391. The slugging is at 394. It's so not a ton of extra base yet, but uh, the OPS is just about at 800. Uh, he has walked 22 times, struck out 43 times, only has two dingers, uh, a 13 uh, or 12 total extra base hits, but has been playing in the infield and in the outfield. Uh, he has played 19 games at both short and in center field. He's got five errors at shortstop, none in center field, very similar innings totals. So it's nice to see that flexibility for a guy who could end up playing some outfield for the big club, especially since they have a guy named Bo Bichette who plays shortstop. 
Uh, Martin's a guy who's projected to kind of have a chance to, to play in the big leagues next year. So we'll see what he does. Obviously, he's the fifth overall pick last year, but it'd be interesting to see him in that Futures game. Hopefully, he's able to come back off the injured list and play on that. It's almost like the Jays are on the verge of having to make some difficult uh, decisions regarding some of these younger players and how they're being uh, prepared for the major leagues because we already have a center fielder and we already have a shortstop who are going to be here for a while. So where does Austin Martin fit into this? Can he play left field? Uh, I'm thinking that the, the, the thought here may be that when he's ready to come up, maybe Springer's ready for a move to the corners. I don't know. Oh, that's, which is fair, but Randall Gritchick still has, what, two years left on his Yeah, field? but we'll see if he's around much longer. Uh, let's talk yeah. for another day, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, these are just interesting questions. Yeah, oh I yeah, think. it's it's a great problem to have when you've got a number, you've got your, uh, your number two prospect, it was a fifth overall pick, playing positions that are already occupied on the big league roster. It's, it's a good problem to have that you have talent. Uh, you still have to find a spot for him to play, but... If, if the guy's got a bat, they'll find a spot for him to play. Yeah, you. I think it's going to be one of those things where the cream has to rise to the top as far as, like, batting. Yeah, uh, he's got to noting, force himself to the bigs. Yeah, worth noting that after struggling with, uh, a, 240, go, with a 249 average going into June, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has since hit 302, 326, and a 540. Sorry, is Lourdes slug. Gurriel a part of the farm report? <laughs> Hold on. You're, no, just let me finish my thought, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Worth noting that Gurriel has resurged, so all that talk that we had previously about yeah. Gurriel maybe being the odd man out is now dead in the water. Because it's, it's actually been Grichuk, Grichuk yeah. <laughs> who has struggled. So our outfield depth is pretty solid. Remember when it was a problem last year, it's no longer right. an issue. So the idea of two years from now... Uh, Springer moving to the corner, probably right. Guriel in left, Hernandez permanently DHing, and then Austin Martin maybe ready for center field. That's exciting. Imagine having your DHs Tiosca Hernandez who can hit 300. <laughs> yeah. That's um, a problem I'd love to have. That's a great problem to have. Uh, moving on to Gabriel Moreno. Now, this guy, Blue Jay fans knew all about him, but he's really shot into the, the MLB, uh, I guess viewpoint here this season he's entered the top 100 prospects he's currently hitting 373 on base is at 441 and his ops is almost at 1.1 the bad news is he's got a fractured thumb he's on the il uh the venezuelan's gonna miss a few weeks at least he would have been our guy at the futures game but um austin martin's a pretty good consolation prize for that one uh the big thing for moreno patrick He's got 126 at-bats. He's struck out 22 times and walked 14 times, so the patience that he's had every every level of the minors is still there. Yep. He made the jump from uh, mid-level A-ball in Lansing in 2019 all the way to double-A this season uh, and hasn't missed a beat. Like The guy has been absolutely raking at every point of the season, so hopefully this injury doesn't slow him down too much and he comes back with a vengeance after it. We are like a year or two years away from having some serious log jams at positions, which is a great oh, man. problem. It's a problem that Think of all the pitching we can have. trade for at that point. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you look at a team like Tampa Bay, who definitely, unequivocally, has the best farm system in MLB. Mm-hmm. They have this very problem right now. And they're still feeling got like a, a team that I think their team average as far as uh, – 
batting average is like it's not that great but they're still winning games because collectively uh you know they get what they need when they need it from everybody and that's the jays are about two years away from that and that's why they hired charlie montoyo was because he was a part of that system a huge part of that system in tampa and he understands the patience and the growing pains and gabriel moreno is probably what two years away i would say depending on depends on how long this injury kind of yeah the good news is he's on the 40 man roster so at the point when he's ready to come up there won't be really any like difficult decisions to make in terms of dfaing it'll just be a here you go just promote him kind of thing so it's a tough situation right now though because with danny jansen and alejandro kirk recovering and very close to you know a return to the big club we have a Reese McGuire problem because Reese McGuire has been one of our best hitters. Well, what, the last what, we'll, month. what we'll see is Robbie Adams optioned and whomever is performing the best out of Jansen and McGuire will get our Jansen and Kirk will get promoted to the MLB club. And the other guy will stay in AAA for now because Montoyo has said they're not going to carry three catchers. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah. And, and Reese McGuire has hit his way into, I believe he has. Yeah. For now holding, holding, the top catcher spot until yeah we'll see what happens over the past week with those two guys rehabbing now but uh again another great problem to have when you have (laughs) a young catcher like that if this were the 2017 or 2018 jays Mourinho might already have gotten called up there was such a gap um Mm -hmm. but having reese mcguire overperform and having alejandro kirk ascend uh very unexpectedly to this level of uh competitiveness it's a it's a great problem to have buddy for sure so martin and, and Mourinho are our number two and six prospects we're gonna move out of the top 10 and talk about Otto lopez here for a second uh he's our 11th overall prospect a second baseman who is currently having another great season he's another guy who moved from lansing to new hampshire this season he's hitting 346 patrick marsh his on base wow. is over 400 and uh his ops is just about a 900 He's a guy who's not going to hit for a ton of home run power, but he's got 17 doubles uh, in, in, in 66 hits. So about a quarter of his hits go for doubles. Strikeout 39 times, uh, 17 walks. So not a huge disparity there. Uh, but the fact that he's getting on base over 400 and hitting 346 is huge. Uh, Fielding-wise, let me check his fielding numbers for you here. Uh, Fielding-wise, he's doing all right. He's actually played games. He's played most of his games in at second base. He's also played 13 games in center field. He's got, some time. He's got a game at shortstop. He's got a game in uh, right field, left field. He's been all over the place, but he's he's committed six errors, all of them at second base, where he's had over 200 innings of of play so far. So a guy who's got some, some flexibility there too, but primarily a second baseman. He's 22 years old. A smaller guy, he's 5'10", 160, so a pretty small build. He's from the uh, Dominican Republic. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if he ever has an impact on this team. But he's definitely a guy who would be an attractive trade piece for a lot of teams, too. A middle infielder yep. with high average and, uh, and a little bit of speed, too. What's his uh, What's his stolen base? Uh, he's uh, stolen right? six uh, out, of, out of nine tries. Mm, he had a rough 2019 stealing bases. He, was, he stole 20 bases but was caught 15 times. Oh shit! Um, yeah, but the fact that he gets on base over 400 and hits for 350 averages is, is definitely beneficial. His career minor league average is 316. So you, you know who he reminds me of quite a bit is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Although Gurriel has the power, clearly. Yeah. Um, but both can hit for average and can play anywhere on the field because they're just tremendous athletes. Yep. 
Auto, if I if I were a team like let's say in the National League, let's say a team like San Francisco or Arizona or Colorado who probably have no chance of making the playoffs uh, because they've got to deal with San Diego and, and Los Angeles who are in the middle of their uh, windows to mm-hmm. compete. I would look at Otto Lopez and say, that's the kind of guy I could build my team around in two to three years, probably fewer uh, if you're a terrible team like Arizona. And it just <laughs> kind of makes sense to trade for a guy like Lopez and you know give up what you've got in your pen or in your rotation that's succeeding. Yeah. Um, let's go off, off the top 30 for a bit here. We're going to talk about Samad Taylor and then Tanner Kerwer. Uh, Samad Taylor is uh, 22 years old. He's from Corona, California. He primarily plays second base as well. He's another one of those middle infielders that the Blue Jays just seem to have a uh, plethora of. He's also played some time in left field, third base, and center field this season. The Fisher Cats are just a versatile bunch they might be the fastest team in the minor leagues this guy's stolen um 17 bases in 21 attempts he's hitting 310 getting on base 399 and a 585 slug the big thing for taylor patrick he's got 12 home runs already his previous season high in home runs was in 2018 with dunedin when he hit nine in 460 at bats he's got 12 home runs in 171 so far this year so has definitely come into his own as a power hitter the last uh, over the last two years since the, the the COVID lockdown. He still strikes out a bit. Uh, he's got 61 Ks to 22 walks, but the fact that he's hitting for a ton of power, he's actually got one more home run than he does doubles. Um, but he's a guy who could be on a lot of people's radars. He only hit 216 with Dunedin in the in the Florida State League, which was a high A ball. So he moved up one level and has increased his average about 100 points. So. Uh, I'd be curious to see if, how, how he keeps this up over the full season, if he can. But he could be a guy who either comes into our top 30 next season or is dealt while his value is high. Yep. Man, we have such a solid farm system, and there's guys that aren't even in our top 30, yeah. like Samad Taylor. I wish I lived season. in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, because I would watch this team every day. And de- you know what? Since you're all uh, listening to us and you follow us on the Twitter machine at BFMD Podcast, go give the New Hampshire Fisher Cats a follow. At Fisher Cats, well. yeah, their social media people are hilarious. They're great. A plus plus plus, and yep. they tweet about Samad Taylor all the time. He's having <laughs> such a great season. Yeah, uh, another guy. One more guy I want to talk about in Double A. He began the season in, in High A ball with Vancouver. Is Tanner Kerwer. He's actually from Sherwood Park, Alberta, which is about two hours away from where I grew up in, in uh, Western Saskatchewan. It's where I, I, it's just, uh, Sherwood Park is attached to Edmonton, for those of you who know where Edmonton is. It's a, a suburb, which is now huge. But uh, he started the season in uh, Vancouver, who was playing in Hillsborough, Oregon, just outside of Portland. He was hitting 285 with a 420 nice on base percentage for Vancouver. What I want you to peep here, Patrick, that 420 on base, I also want you to look at his stolen base numbers. He had 25 stolen bases and 27 attempts with Vancouver. He was caught twice, stole 25 in only 137 at-bats. In 36 games, he stole 25 bases. He had six home runs, six doubles and a triple, uh, walked 27 times, and struck out only 33 times for Vancouver. Since his promotion to New Hampshire, he's only appeared in eight games, has 21 at-bats, so the sample size is small. He's only collected uh, three hits, so his average is 143, but the on-base is still 345. He's already stolen three bases and only been caught once for the Cats. 
uh, and, and probably due to the fact that he's walked six times and struck out only eight. He has one home run for the Cats, so he's got seven homers on the year. Total for the season is 266 with a 409 on base, 28 stolen bases, and, and 31 chances. So um, a guy with some some big speed. He plays the outfield primarily. Um, he's played in a bunch of different positions again here too this year. He's played left field, center field, right field for both the Cats and the Canadians. So another guy who could uh, do some damage as he moves up the prospect rankings. Nice to see a, a 25-year-old Canadian who was drafted in 2017, 20th uh, round, 609th pick, making some damage, doing some damage this season. Surprised he hasn't already been promoted. Uh, well, he, he was, he's in New Hampshire now, right? He started in Vancouver. So he went from, uh, yeah, but what I'm saying is like he's been so good. Yeah, I mean he was he was decent in 2018. Um, he hit 280 that year, and again stole 28 bases. Then in 2019 he kind of regressed a little bit. He did get some time with Lansing, uh, which yeah. was mid-season A ball, uh, mid-level A ball, before getting promoted to Vancouver. So he has moved up. Like he played in rookie league, then he went to the short season A league with Vancouver. Then he went back to rookie league for an injury rehab in 2019, up to Lansing, up to Vancouver, up to New Hampshire. So he is moving up. Everyone's development just kind of got a little bit slow just due to the fact of the, the COVID. He's a guy who went uh, to college in, in Niagara, so he didn't do the draft right out of high school. So he, that's why he's a little bit older. But I, I, yeah. thought it was, I thought it was interesting to highlight. I know I had been getting a lot of uh, tweets from the, the Canadians at the start of the season uh, talking about this guy because he was absolutely lighting it up for them. And then the promotion to New Hampshire, he's been having a good year. I want to highlight a Canadian guy for us. I'm kind of interested. I'd like to see where he lands at the end of the year. Obviously, uh, eight games isn't enough to really say much of anything. He hasn't struck out yet. Not a ton, he? no. He's, uh, he, struck out a, he struck out eight times but walked six times for New Hampshire. Eight, so he, eight on, Yeah, that's really good. Though. He's, had that, um, he's had that discipline all throughout his, his minor league career, so... Yeah, That's huge. It, it, it seems to me like the Cats have a bit of a log jam when it comes to their <laughs> their entire roster because there's just yeah. way too many guys, which is why I, I feel like it, we're going to reach a point here very soon where we're going to see a bunch of promotions out of necessity. So, like, I'm not going to be surprised if we see, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Groshans gets promoted again before the end of the year yeah he's not having a huge season which is why i didn't highlight him we'll talk about him another time but uh yeah it's it's possible i think a lot of pitchers will get moved up we've seen some cycling of pitching up and down the the minor leagues between double a AA and triple a as the blue jays poach arms from buffalo and then the bisons at the poach from triple a or from double a so um interesting to note but yeah we'll, we'll keep an eye on all of this we'll, we'll do more of these fun reports as we go along we'll try and keep them a bit shorter but we've got four guys left in high A, we're going to do King Clough, Adam Cloughenstein, and C.J. Van Eyck. Uh, King Clough was obviously drafted in round three, Jordan Groshen's high school teammate from Texas. He's only 20 years old. Uh, he's pitched in Vancouver his entire minor league career with the Blue Jays. He did play a little bit with Bluefield, uh, RIP Bluefield. They're such a cool team, cool stadium in the Appalachian League. They still have a team there now, just in, a, in like that college league now. But he pitched in Vancouver in 2019. In short season A ball and is now in high A ball with Vancouver. He's made 10 starts. Uh, he's, he's only given up two home runs in 38 and two thirds innings. The big problem for him has been walks. He's walked 32 batters against only 38 strikeouts, and opponents are hitting 260 against him. So the average and the whip are a little bit high, uh, which has led to a 652 ERA. Uh, definitely a kid going through some development. 
Uh, I think he's probably too good to send him back down to Dunedin for a ball. And obviously they probably want to keep him out of the heat in Florida as much as possible because, my God, I can only imagine how hot it is there right now. Um, but it's definitely a guy worth watching. He's he's in our, he's in our top, uh, top 10 prospects. He's currently, I believe, ranked uh, ninth on the top 10. So interesting to watch King Cloth. Big righty, 6'5", 243, so very similar to the Manoa build. Um, it'd be nice to see this guy uh, get his numbers going in the right direction as the season goes along. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not. I mean, he's only what twenty. He's years twenty. Old. I'm not, he's so uh, young. Yeah, I, I'm not worried at all about him struggling. And I understand, like obviously, he and Groshans are teammates or buds. Um, I didn't expect their trajectories to match each other. Uh, Pitchers always take longer. Well, yeah, and the fact most that he's part. twenty. The fact that he's 20, he's probably still like four years away from mm-hmm. the show. He's already in high A. He's already done things to impress. He's not having a great year, um, but, you know, it's all good. Uh, CJ Van Eyck, it's the same story. Yeah, exact same story. Another guy, he was drafted last year um, in the second round, so he was our second pick after Austin Martin, 42nd overall from Florida State. He's a 22-year-old, 6'1", 198, so a decent build on him too. Uh, same story for him. Only three home runs allowed. For him, it gets been the opponent's average too. He's walked 17 against 42 Ks, so not as not as narrow of a, of a disparity as, as uh, Cloth. Uh, but in nine starts, he's uh, a 584 earned run average. Batters hitting 252 against him. Uh, just really a matter for him of he's given up a lot of hits in a row at times. I looked at some of his game logs. And it seems like he just goes through like one or two bad innings. But another guy who's, again, only 22. It's his first pro season out of college. A lot of room for development here. Uh, he's number 10 on our top 10 prospects right now. So definitely you got to keep your eyes on. He got a couple of, of, of appearances in spring. Didn't look too great. But um, his full name is Cornelius Johannes Van Eyck. So that's pretty badass. <laughs> Goes by CJ. Um, definitely some like Dutch heritage there, I'd imagine. <laughs> so... Pretty cool to see, but yeah, hopefully he can get his numbers in the right direction as Vancouver continues along their season. Yep. Uh, again, another guy. We just need to be patient with their development. Yep. Uh, he he's young, plenty of time, plenty of runway for him to figure it out. I don't know that they'll either one will necessarily see a promotion between now and next. Uh, now in the beginning of next season, probably not. Uh, huh. However, they'll you know they'll make their way up. They'll probably see some time in New Hampshire. Uh, middle to late next year. I would agree with that. They'll get there. Yeah. Get there. Uh, moving into Dunedin, which is now our low A team. They moved from high to low this year. Uh, we're going to talk about Arelvis Martinez and Leo Jimenez here in Dunedin, Patrick. Uh, Arelvis Martinez is currently our number seventh prospect. Jimenez is our number 12. We're skipping over Miguel Geraldo today, who's the eighth prospect. And also Desan Brown, a Canadian, who's uh, number 15 in, in Dunedin. He's injured right now, I believe. Um, but looking at Martinez, he's currently only hitting 256, but his on base is at 337, so a pretty good uh, jump there. Slashing uh, OPS is 787. 53 strikeouts to 19 walks, which has always kind of been a thing for him. He's struck out pretty much everywhere he's gone. He moved from the rookie league and, and Bluefield up to Dunedin this season, so a nice little uh, move up for him. Uh, he has stolen two bases in, in two attempts. Not a huge speed guy, but he's a shortstop plays around in the middle infield just like every other prospect that we have he's only 19 years old so super young even in that low a league a pretty young guy there 
Um, his BABIP this season is 331, so he's been doing well when he's putting the ball in play. I think for him it's just a matter of maybe cutting that strikeout rate down. He's got six dingers, which is one off of his career high of seven, which he set in 2019. So we'll likely see him whiz past that. Um, but yeah, I, I, this guy's another guy who everyone is super high on, could rise up the top 100 rankings pretty quickly uh, as, a, as a young 19-year-old. Uh, sticky note this for uh, this time next year, or Relvos Martinez will be one of the hottest prospects talked about in baseball. Big if true, but I hope you're right. <laughs> St- sticky that one. I just think uh, he's got all the tools. Yeah, uh, he's, to he's a be... pretty good fielder already too. It's crazy how, how good he is, and he's in low A, and he could easily, I could see him easily being uh, the kind of guy who just shoots through uh, our system quickly. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, the fact that there's just such a heavy logjam yep. uh, in front of him of good prospects. But he might he might rise, the cream always rises to the top. Yeah, worth noting that he's played uh, 10 games at third base, 25 at short this year. So he's playing a little bit on that left side of the infield. Uh, his teammate, one of the reasons that he's played some time away from shortstop is Leo Jimenez, who is a second baseman by trade, but has actually played more games at shortstop this year. He's played 21 games at short and 12 at second. Uh, unlike Martinez, he's actually a more of a solid fielder. He's got four errors in uh, over 250 defensive innings this year. Um, and he's actually hitting 284, Patrick Marsh. His on base is 383, so he's having a really good year. He has not hit a home run yet, but he also did not hit any home runs in any. He's never hit a minor league home run. He's a doubles machine, though. Uh, well, sort of. He's more of a single and uh, a single guy, but he's got five doubles in 37 hits this season. He's uh, drove in 12 runs, walked 21 times, and struck out only 22 times. So he's definitely like a, a patient contact hitter who plays middle infield. His slash line is just below 800 OPS, but the on-base is 146 points higher than his average, which is 301 to 447. So another guy who's hitting for contact, uh, he's got a 359 BABIP, so he's actually like overperforming what people usually do for BABIP. But the fact that he uh, just finds ways on base, he's also been uh, hit by a pitch uh, 13 times this season, which is, a, which is a career high already. So he's just a guy who looks like he crowds the plate, very patient hitter. He's basically Kevin Biggio without Biggio's power. <laughs> More of an average, less power. So it's interesting. Uh, What's his whiff rate again? His, his uh, swinging strike rate? Well, he's only struck out 22 times compared to 21 walks. So well, he's, he does not swing a lot. a little bit different than Biggio. <laughs> Biggio does tend to strike out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Typically strikes out looking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, his, uh, his, his ground ball to fly ball is an even one. So he doesn't have really any skews. He sprays the ball to all fields it's a very uh, interesting hitter profile no power how is he but along the base pass has he has he only only any? one still in base he's not super fast just hits for contact hits for average plays a good field a guy who probably has a long big league career ahead of him as a 20 year old just because of the fact that he's versatile he's from panama um panama. And, yeah <laughs> van halen reference but uh yeah his hits hits 301 and i mean in 2019, he hit 294, so it's not like this average is coming out of nowhere. That's what he's always done. Not much power in the bat, but he's just going to be a reliable average guy. Probably hits low in the, lower in the order and uh, flips that lineup over. Just There's so many guys that are, are worth watching in the minor league. If you don't have a subscription MILB TV, 
you might want to get one next year uh, or even this year once they go on sale uh, for the rest of the season because there's just so much talent. Yeah. Even even you know digging down into low A, these guys look at the the list though of guys we have in low A right now between Martinez, Geraldo, Jimenez. And then a certain Canadian uh, young yeah, man named Hassan Brown, Brown, who's absolutely worth talking about in the future, uh, which we will get to the next time probably we do a report, mm-hmm. um, who's our 15th prospect. There's just so many guys worth talking about. Yeah. We have a considerable amount. Of Keep your eyes on uh, Estevan Machado and Manuel Beltre, too, who are going to be in the Gulf Coast and Dominican Leagues this year. Uh, definitely two guys worth watching. Very young players, international free agent signings. Eric Pardino is still coming back off Tommy John. He's been throwing a lot at the complex. It'd be, it's likely that he'll probably report to Dunedin or Vancouver at some point this season too. So there's will, lots of guys he... we didn't have a chance to talk about today. We didn't talk about Simeon Woods-Richardson. We didn't talk about Jordan Groshans. We didn't touch on uh, Palacios, who's hurt, obviously. We didn't talk about Chavez Young. Like There's a lot of guys we didn't even touch. Palacios had a fantastic spring. I thought he should have deserved a better look at when it came to the yeah. main roster. Unfortunately, the injuries got him. So, Yeah, it sucks, but you know what? Uh, if he stays the course, I could see him uh, usurping Jonathan Davis's role because he kind of strikes me as a He's guy a lefty a bat, better... too. Yeah, he has a better bat than, than Davis from what I've seen. Um, I don't know. I can't speak much about the – you know, Jonathan Davis is well-known to be a character guy. Uh, in the clubhouse, uh, the kind of guy you want to have in the club. I don't, I don't know what Palacios is like. He's, he's young though, right? He's what twenty. He turned twenty five. He's reasonably young. Yeah. Turned twenty five this year. Turned twenty four this year. Something, something like that. that. Yeah, yeah, but that's a that's about thirty minutes of farm talk. So if you stuck around, we appreciate that. A bit of a longer episode today, <laughs> but we've been doing a lot of short ones lately. So we wanted to wanted to get out, talk about some guys who don't get uh, talked about enough. But hopefully the Jays can uh, rebound against the Rays this weekend. Obviously, we've got the three games starting this evening. The Rays still haven't announced the pitcher. Oh, they do have a uh, – Luis Patino is going to start tonight, Patrick Marsh. Really? Yeah. So I'll, let, me, let me give you his stats here. He is 1-1 uh, one one on the year with a uh, 360 ERA. Uh, I believe we faced him at one point, if I remember correctly. He's only appeared in five games. Um, his game logs, if I pull them up here quickly – he hasn't pitched in the big since May the 18th. He was down in AAA. Uh, we did face him on April 25th. He threw two and two-thirds against us. Uh, one walk, no hits, and three Ks. He opened that game. Uh, that we I think we it was on my birthday. I think we ended up winning that yeah, game later on. I he, can't remember. But he's probably the opener. For he'll be opening for sure. Yeah, his longest outing in the bigs this year is four innings. Uh, he's likely reasonably stretched out in AAA, so... I think they'll probably let it ride as long as they can, give him at least once through the order. But uh, that's who will be pitching tonight for the Tampa Bay Rays. Again, he hasn't pitched in the big since May 18th against Baltimore when he, had, he did give up uh, four earned runs against them. Yeah. Uh, and he got that out. A, a little bit on that one. He threw, but that was his career high too uh, for yeah. pitches. Eighty. He threw 82 pitches. Yeah. Uh, Still no starter announced for uh, Sunday's game, but at least we know that it'll be Patino versus Alec Manoa tonight. So a couple of young kids going at each other. So that'll be fun to see. But uh, that'll be it for us. We'll be back, uh, I'm assuming, on Sunday to talk about the Tampa series a little bit and and, and preview the next week to come. You can find us on Twitter. 
Might be a dark episode, man. Oh, that's no. It's going to be nothing but sunshine and rainbows, Patrick. It always is with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, if, if you've listened, you know that's not always true. But uh, you can find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Listen to the show. We're hosted on Anchor. Shout out to them. I uh, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a ton of more. Our website is bfmdpodcast.com. If you want to see all the all the webs are the uh, episodes in blog form, you can find them there as well too. Send us your questions on the site. You go to our email inbox, which is batflipsmabledips at gmail.com. We'll throw that one in there today. DMs are open on Twitter. Fire us a question. Tweet at us if you want us to talk about something. If you hate Tyler Chatwood as much as we do right now, send us some more equipment. Send us some of your feedback on him. But uh, in the meantime, leave us a review. Give us a follow. And we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. 